having these miraculous gifts. Because if there were any questions that should arise, there was someone in that congregation to whom you could go and say, I want to know God's will on this particular subject. But do not fail to appreciate the fact that we have that even more because today we have the whole amount of God's Word that has been revealed and we have it in our Bibles. The world today, just like the world then, was seriously confused over the issue of spiritual gifts and their place and their purpose in God's divine plan. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take 1 Corinthians and break it down into three parts. First will be a declaration regarding those spiritual gifts in verses 1 through 3. Then there will be a discussion in verses 4 through 11 of the diversities of gifts. There are nine gifts listed there, and he's going to explain them, if you will. And then finally, the distinction that one would have in the gifts in verses 12 through 31. I have a lot to say, so let's start our lesson together. Let's look at verses 1 through 3 as we prepare our first point. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols... However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to observe that first two were those first two words there. Now concerning. That goes all the way back to chapter 7 and verse 1 where he says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote. What this is, is Paul answering a series of questions that the Corinthians had addressed to him. Paul, we want to know about chapter 7, about marriage. Chapter 8, we want to know about things that are offered to idols. Chapter 11 was dealing with the Lord's Supper. It was dealing with other issues. And you get to chapter 12, now concerning the spiritual gifts. They needed to know, they needed to understand about these things. And I do not want you to be ignorant, is what he says. The word ignorant in when my childhood was, boy, you're just ignorant. It was almost like a, a, some pejorative, negative thing to say about someone. But in the Bible, whenever you see the word ignorant, it means a person who's uninformed. They've not yet understood what they need to understand. And so several times, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be lacking knowledge, lacking understanding. And so he's going to provide that. But what I find interesting is here are people who have spiritual gifts from God and they don't understand them fully. And some of them might say, how could that be? But do you remember Peter on the day of Pentecost? 
how he got up and he preached that people should repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. In verse 39, he says, The promise is to you and to your children and to all those who are afar off. Peter was saying that the promise that God has given is to you, you Jews. It's your children, your descendants. But then he says those who are far off, he's referring to the Gentiles. And yet Peter didn't fully grasp that until Acts 10, when it was revealed to him that Gentiles also were acceptable. The Corinthians had been given these spiritual gifts, and yet they didn't fully grasp their meaning. And so we understand they're confused. Many today are confused, and the question arises, how could people be so confused about the spiritual gifts? Let's look and see. He talks about their idolatrous past. You were led away by dumb idols. Don't think of dumb in the sense of intelligence. Think in terms of dumb in the sense of can't speak. These idols do not speak. God speaks The idols don't speak, but when God speaks, he tells the truth. In chapter 1 and verse 14 of 1 Peter, Peter would write, Not conforming yourselves to your former lust as in your ignorance. Sometimes we find ourselves just simply not knowing because of where we are. There's nothing to be ashamed of the fact that there's things that you do not know. But you need to be taught, you need to be understanding. And so in stark contrast to their former beliefs where they were led by idols that could not speak, God, when he speaks, he never contradicts himself. You would never find a situation where God would speak and then someone would immediately say, Jesus is a curse. No, that wouldn't happen. Nor would you have someone who would say something profound like Jesus is Lord without the Spirit's direction. In Mark 9 and verse 39, Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwardly speak evil of me. If you truly have the message of God then you're not going to contradict that message. Whatever God reveals is always true. It's always trustworthy. It's always dependable. And thus, as you look at that first point, there's the declaration regarding these spiritual gifts. They are from God and they are true. And you can depend upon what God has revealed through them. Now let's look at verses 4 through 11. This is where it gets sort of interesting of of understanding these gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one For the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. 
to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now he talks about diversities. The word diversities or the word different is describing the fact that there are different types of gifts that are given. In fact, he's going to list nine different gifts that will be given. Not everyone had the same gift. In fact, one would have one gift that would be totally different from another. But he draws attention to the fact that this all comes from the same God. And in fact, I'd like to point out to you that if you look in verse 4, you have the Spirit, you have the Lord, and then you have God. You have all three members of the Godhead involved in the giving of these. There's the unity of purpose. They are for the edification, the building up of the church. There's just one reason why God gave all these gifts. It wasn't. So the person who got the gifts could say, look how impressive I am. Look what's been given to me. No, the the purpose is to build up the church, to make it stronger. And there's the unity of the people as well. He wanted everyone who got these gifts to realize they were part of one body. Now, when he starts talking about the diversities of gifts... He's talking about not natural gifts, but spiritual gifts. And you say, what's the difference between the natural and the spiritual? There are many of you who have various natural gifts. Some of you have the ability to sing beautifully. That is, you have the ability because of your voice that you can sing in tune You can sing with others. Some of you have gotten that because you've been trained to do that. You've sat in classes. There have been others who've shown you how to do that. But that's a natural ability that's been harnessed and trained. The spiritual gifts were someone was given an ability by God immediately and without their effort. We're going to talk about speaking in tongues in just a moment, and we'll try to draw attention to there. But then he says there's difference in ministries. It's unique there. He's talking about the word ministry, which means to serve. That's the fact that someone serves someone else with that gift. And then third of all, the activities. And the original word draws attention to the fact this is the effect or the outcome. And so what he's actually doing here, he's talking about the three different states of the work of the Spirit. The fact that first of all, you have the gift being given. God is giving something to man. Number two, man serves others with that gift. And then finally, the activities, the outcome of it. Let's talk about those nine gifts just very briefly. He said, for to one is given the word of wisdom. I would say that there are several of you that I could look at and say, you are wise. Through many years of experience, many years of study, looking at the lives and being trained by others, 
there's things that make you wise. But there were some people in the church at Corinth to whom God had given wisdom, not by training, not by natural ability, but given them as a gift. And it's a word of wisdom. It's the ability to be able to speak to someone else. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7, he says, but we speak the wisdom of God. It's something that you say. And I think about if I were wanting direction from somebody who was wise, I would go and I'd listen carefully to what they say. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the same Spirit. And to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Again, some people are knowledgeable because they've listened, they've learned, they've been trained. But when you think about the word of knowledge given, you're thinking about someone who has given to them immediately what to say and what to do. Good illustration the limited commission, Matthew 10, verses 19 and 20. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Imagine being in a situation, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but now you've got the miraculous knowledge and God gives it a, that ability to people. And then he says to another faith through the same spirit. You and I have faith because it comes by hearing the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Our faith is based upon what we've learned from God. And then we develop that trust, that confidence in him. But there was a miraculous gift of faith. And that miraculous gift of faith had certain abilities with it. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith so that I could remove mountains. Wow, that's a tremendous amount of trust. You go to Matthew 17 and verse 20, Assuredly, I say to you that if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Remove from here and to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That amount of faith and trust that God gave to them. But then he talks about healings. We know that there are those who are healers in our world, those who serve as physicians. They provide for us various things that will cause our bodies to heal. But there were people who had miraculous abilities to heal. If you'll remember Acts chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles bones received strength. Here's the ability to take a man who cannot walk and you heal him immediately, completely, fully. To another, the working of miracles. 
Miracles were supernatural events that could not take place in nature. Miracles were something dazzling to be seen. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Notice the miracles, these special events. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 9. When Moses was sent to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh's going to need to see something to prove that this is a truly a man from God. When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. You think about having a staff, a stick that you walk with. You take it down, you throw it on the ground, immediately it becomes a snake. I want the ability to say, turn snake into rod again. But you see, it was a miracle. A special event. Prophecy. That's the ability to speak for God. In 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. These are people who speak for God. Then the discerning of spirits. 1 John 4 verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do you know how I can tell a false teacher today? I can listen to what he is saying and compare it to the scriptures, and I can tell whether he's teaching truth or falsehood. In the first century, before the message was completely revealed, here's a man who comes and said, I've got a message from God. How do I know whether or not He's telling the truth. There were those who had the miraculous ability to say, he's not telling you the truth. He's able to discern whether or not that spiritual gift that is being claimed is actually true or not. Then the one that's often confusing to people in our world today, speaking in tongues, Perhaps that is due to the way we translate our Bibles. We talked about a man speaking in a tongue. Today we would say he speaks in a different language. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, verse 8, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They're speaking with other language. The Spirit is giving them the ability to speak in a language. I took a little bit of French in college. I can't speak much of it now. But I did study enough to the point where I can actually understand a few things that's being said by somebody. But other than a phrase or two, I can't speak it at all. But I want you to imagine, here's a person who has the ability to speak in a language. Someone says, but are they really speaking a language that somebody understands? Or are they speaking some unintelligible? Listen to verse 8. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? That means those apostles were speaking in languages which people could understand. And they were amazed. Are these not all Galileans? 
1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. There was a gift given. But as much as you have to have someone who would speak in the tongues, you need somebody who could interpret those tongues. We've had some bilingual services here with English and Spanish. And uh, Brother Roberto and Brother Robert have, in times past, stood right beside and interpreted the tongue that was being spoken. And the miraculous gift, they could do that immediately. And then there were those people who had those nine gifts needed to understand that God had a divine purpose in giving these gifts just to briefly point you to Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He's trying to bring the church together and he's providing these people to do that. And uh, I just don't have time to go into detail with that, but to point you to that passage of Scripture. Which leads me to the third part of our lesson, and that is the distinction of the gifts. We're going to pick up and just read the first few verses, beginning with verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. You see, he's trying to provide the distinct purpose that God had in giving these gifts. In their minds, they had developed all sorts of ideas about them. But Paul is saying the church functions like a physical body. And he's going to draw attention to the fact that we each have various members of our body. Like I've got hands and I've got eyes and I've got ears and I've got feet. There's many members, but there's still just one physical body. And what a great illustration that is. And he's talking about all were baptized into that one body in verse 13. They needed to see themselves not as distinct individuals, but as a distinct body. One that God had put together. Uh, here are some of their misunderstandings. Some evidently felt some gifts were better, and by that they mean more prestigious than others. That if I don't have that particular gift, that I'm somehow not as good as somebody else. And maybe I ought to just throw up my hands and say, I'm not worth anything. Notice with me, verses 15 through 19. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it not therefore of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? 
if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if there were one member, where would the body be? Now, what you have to understand is as prestigious and as valuable as the eyes are, they're not the only part of the body we need. You can have two great eyes, but if you don't have any hands, you're in trouble. And as impressive as it is to have hearing, how valuable is it to smell? Oh, there's, there's so much in this. But these people have gotten this idea that I'm just not worth anything. And they didn't appreciate the gift that God gave them and the value of that gift. Here's the problem sometimes for us in the church. We look at people who have the ability to, to sing and we think, oh boy, they can do a great job. And we look at others who have the ability to uh, maybe lead a beautiful prayer. And we wonder... Is my gift worth anything? And the answer is absolutely yes it is. And you are needed. Yes, all are needed. See, the misunderstanding goes on in this context. Some evidently felt their gift made them better than others. Look with me at verses 20 through 26. But now indeed there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And more, our more unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. And if one member is honored, all the members are honored with it. You see, there were some people who had some gifts who looked at other people's and said, they're not necessary, we don't need them. If I do this, then I don't need you. Let me stress a point here. Every one of us are needed. And there's not one of us can say the gift that you give, the part that you bring is unneeded or unnecessary. And you can start seeing now how the spiritual gifts were being misunderstood by them and it become more focused on the individual rather than upon the whole body. And that's where we begin to appreciate only when the whole body works together can it protect one another and function successfully. Occasionally, some part of our body will be afflicted. Maybe it's a hand, maybe it's a foot, maybe it's a knee. Maybe you're going to have to have surgery on some part and you realize you can't use that part of your body for a short period of time. You realize very quickly how valuable that part is. And that's what Paul is trying to stress here. The final section in verses 27 through 31 draws attention to the distinction to whom God gave these gifts. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. All apostles are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. The apostles, first apostles, They're the ones to whom God not only initially gave the gifts, but they are uniquely the only ones to whom God gave the gift of imparting miraculous gifts. Remember Acts 8, that Simon saw through the laying on of hands that the Holy Spirit was given? What a unique place they had. Second of all, he gave prophets. Men who had the ability to speak God's message. How valuable were they to have someone to whom we could say, what does God want us to do? Here's a message from God. Think about the prophets of old. Third, teachers. Rather distinct from the apostles and the prophets. A teacher is one who's able to take what is here presently, and then communicate that. Others who have various roles to accomplish God's plan. Let me bring all this together. The days of the miraculous are past. And if that's the case, what can we learn from this passage? And I will say this. I thought about mentioning this in the beginning. I remember as a student at Fried Hardeman, well over 40 years ago, hearing Brother Alan Hires speak on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. He said chapter 12 is the definition of the spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 is the duration of them. And chapter 14 is the discharge of them, how they're used. We don't live in the days of the miraculous anymore. Those ceased sometime in the first century. But we still are one body. And it is self-defeating for us to work against one another just like it was in Corinth. And if you and I work against each other, we're just like our physical body trying to be pulled in two different directions at the same time. There's no place for pride. Even in today in the Lord's church, when you and I have various abilities... Natural abilities that God has given us. We didn't get there by ourselves. I remember Brother Curtis Cates saying, if you see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, there's one thing you know for sure. He didn't get there by himself. You and I stand on the shoulders of the great men who've gone before us and great women who've gone before us. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. For who makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast if you had not received it? Just like God gave miraculous gifts to them directly, immediately, 
You and I have been the beneficiary of God's goodness. But we've all been given from the divine hand of God. May not have been immediately, may not have been miraculously. But we need to appreciate from whom all blessings flow. We're blessed to have the product of what those great Christians delivered to us. It's called the Bible. And that Bible is our guidebook from earth to heaven. Tells us what to do in order to be saved. God loves each of us. He wants each of us to be saved. And here's what you and I need to do. We need to believe in Jesus, the Son of God. We need to repent of our sins, confess our faith in Him, and be baptized. That's the directions the Lord left for those apostles and prophets. And we teach the same today. What a wonderful privilege we have to be restored to faithfulness. When you and I step aside and we we act outside of God's will, a divine plea for us to come back and to be faithful to Him. We're going to sing this song, Hark the Gentle Voice Calls. And if you want to respond to the Lord's invitation, please come as together we stand and sing.